Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This month I am joined by Scott Sullivan. Scott is the Chief Integrity and Compliance Officer at Newmont Corporation. Scott is a longtime compliance practitioner, having led a Fortune 500, $5 billion uh, corporation in their business integrity and compliance function. We take up uh, four episodes over the month of July. In episode one, we take a look at the empathetic CCO and what does empathy mean in the context of being a CCO. In episode two, fit for purpose and reading the tea leaves, in other words, staying in front of the wolf pack. In episode three, we consider what does a CCO want from his or her team. And in episode four, we consider what will the CCO of the future look like? What are the skills that will be needed and what are the toolkit that a CCO must have? It's a fascinating exploration of a longtime chief compliance officer. He's been in uh, our profession for uh, nearly uh, 14 or 15 years, so he's got lots of insights. I know you will enjoy this month's guest, Scott Sullivan, and I know you will learn a lot from him. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening to this month with Scott Sullivan on The Compliance Life. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Scott Sullivan for our final episode in this four-part series uh, this month where uh, I've been able to visit with Scott about The Compliance Life. Scott, first of all, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. Glad to be here again. Scott, uh, I always uh, enjoy uh, speculation about the future. So uh, today I wanted to uh, visit with you a little bit about what you think the future of the CCO and the compliance function may look like, and then maybe speculate uh, even further on with COVID-19 and the economic dislocation that many of us are facing. Are we perhaps at an inflection point where either compliance will make a turn or many of the trends that we have seen will accelerate uh, quite a bit more? So with a very long-winded introduction, um, let me even introduce it more to say we've both been in compliance for uh, multiple years and we've seen compliance evolve from really a legal response to government enforcement under the FCPA driven by lawyers for lawyers for something to something very different. What have been the biggest changes you've seen? Yeah, I think those are both really good questions. You'll probably have to remind me about the COVID one after kind of doing the, the future reading of the tea leaves. Um, I think the the skill set evolution and the maturation of the role and the function have probably been the the, the most significant over the last decade. Uh, it started out as, hey, somebody's got to do it. Give it to Mikey. He can eat it. And now it's really sort of a defined um, uh, career path. And you're even seeing law schools and, and other university programs that are having degrees in compliance and ethics and risk management so it's, it's definitely been that evolution. As I mentioned in some of the earlier episodes, I've said if I actually was creating a program from scratch talking about adding project management 
adding um, communications and training folks and data analytics, the reality today is just simply becoming much different than it was before. You've got to have a very smooth functioning organization that is not just effective, but that is efficient. And you've got to use company resources as if they're own. You're a steward of the company and you've got to do the same thing that all the other functions are doing and trying to have a continuous improvement mindset where every year you're doing that. But I, I do think it is really that skill set evolution that's probably going to be the wave of the future as data becomes king, if it isn't already there. Is uh, In terms of that skill set, is that something that you feel a even a legally uh, trained or legal professional who goes to the CCO chair can manage that type of team? Yeah, I think he or she has to be willing to dive into some of the maybe uncomfortable areas that they're not accustomed to as a lawyer. You don't have to be an expert in the area, but you have to have enough understanding to, to make sure that the program's moving in the right direction. Certainly, I'm a big believer in empowering employees. You want to pick people so that they they are bringing value to the table. So you want to rely on that skill set. But I don't think by any stretch you need to be an expert in, that, in a particular field to leverage the the power of that field. You just have to have a sort of a fundamental understanding of how it fits into the bigger picture. Scott, we recently had an update by the Department of Justice to the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs uh, document that they uh, previously released in uh, 2017 and updated again in 2019. Now we've had a 2020 update. And one of the things that struck me about that update was uh, a frank discussion about the need for data, but not simply, uh, oh, let's just go look at a number. It, it talked about data from a variety of sources. So obviously it talked about transaction monitoring, but it also talked about looking at data in uh, your policies and procedures portal. Who's looking at your policies? Where are they? What questions are they raising? What questions are they coming to you with? What questions are your local uh, integrity? I think you called them integrity ad- advocates. What questions are they fielding? So it really asks you to look at, I don't want to say data, really more information in a, in a variety of sources in places that perhaps compliance officers didn't look for before. Is Would that be a fair assessment or do you see something different? Yeah, no, I I would agree. I think you've got to be far more like a sleuth than perhaps in the past with data. I I was kind of, I guess, proud of myself on this particular podcast, sort of thinking about my remarks a few weeks ago and and how prescient it ends up being just because it was one of the questions you were saying is where do you see things moving? And it's, I put data, data, data is, is really sort of my thought is that continuous monitoring that how do you move a little bit into automation at least? How do you finally tune that machine to be more effective and more efficient and finding those areas again with the holy grail, in my opinion, being how do you get more to the preventative side? That's where the real value is. If you can, again, pull that information together and identify hot spots or trends before they blow up or mushroom or become systemic. I mean, imagine how many compliance officers they could have, could have nipped something in the bud before it spread system wide the impact of the organization would have been far greater. It's hard to measure that because it's sort of the what didn't happen because of what you did. But uh, that that really is the nirvana, if you will, of being able to, to get to that data that really gives you insights to act on before bad stuff occurs. Uh, prior to my corporate career, I was a trial lawyer and uh, represented corporations in catastrophic uh, personal injury cases, contract disputes, those sorts of things. And so I saw the evolution of safety in the energy space from the mid-80s uh, up to the Exxon Valdez was a huge turning point. 
uh, where there's a, a much bigger commitment to safety. It started with tone at the top and kind of pushing the message down. But then in the uh, early part of this century, I saw safety moving to almost transactional monitoring or safety monitoring on a real-time basis. Uh, are those some of the uh, examples that we in the compliance field could look to to see how we could move to transaction monitoring to perhaps even real-time monitoring? Absolutely. I think the financial institutions, some of the insurance companies, and, and some select others are doing great jobs already with data mining, really because of regulatory pressure for the most part. But there's things the rest of the compliance community can learn from to to get to that real-time or close to real-time monitoring to get more on the preventative curve. I I still think the biggest challenge that most companies in in the boat, hey, can we do this, will be is, do you have the systems tied together? What is the integrity of the data for you to be able to rely on that? And that is a commitment and an investment to get that in a condition, even to be able to do that kind of monitoring work. And now if we could turn to some of the trends that may have been accelerated uh, or even changed because of COVID-19. Um, you and I are recording this uh, virtually or, or remotely, I should say, but you're now doing your work remotely. And so uh, as we've been pushed into remote options and not being able to do things like travel, do you see uh, different ways of doing compliance either accelerated or changing going forward? I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure, both on the cost savings and then the efficiency and even the health perspective. If you can reduce the travel footprint from a cost health safety perspective uh, and you can still achieve what you're doing, I think there's always going to be a time for that personal travel that's required. I do think kind of a concept maybe of a beat cop or someone just walking the floors. You just learn so much about the organization that you wouldn't get video or telephonically. So there's going to be, I think compliance is going to have to push back a bit if everybody tries to go to 100% remote, no travel. It's just a different feel that you get to, to look, feel, and see when you're on the ground of what people are facing versus what you're sort of told in a, uh, on a video conference. But that's definitely going to become part of the norm. So your compliance organizations are going to have to adapt to that and figure out how do they make things most effective. So even on investigations, uh, you know, what What remote parts are the best? How do you ensure the data integrity and safety and security of the data that you might be sharing with a witness who may be able to take a picture or do things differently than if you were in person? Uh, and the other one I think is, is every crisis presents opportunity. So there may be areas ancillary or otherwise to the direct core compliance function that the, the compliance group can get involved in. So in terms of career growth, promotion opportunities, just really reinvigorating them into other areas, whether it's crisis management that they might have a tangential role in or some other area, uh, quick response, or even on the safe health, health, safety, environmental side, there really can be some areas that I think compliance can bring some expertise, some vision, some perspective on that they may not, that the organization may not have thought about before COVID. Well, Scott, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this final episode, but I really wanted to thank you. This has been a fascinating exploration of uh, where we have been, where we are, and perhaps where we're going. So I wanted to thank you. Thanks again, Tom, for the invitation. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this month's special series on the compliance life, sitting in the CCO chair with Scott Sullivan. I hope you will plan to join me again in August when I have yet another CCO who will join us to talk about their 
experience and journey getting to the CCO chair. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. If you would tell one person about this podcast to help get the word out, I would greatly appreciate it. I look forward to visiting with you again, and thanks so much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.